0: Have you ever wondered why in the world anybody ever goes to church? i think back, you know, you probably know why you do if you've been saved for a while, maybe you don't. Um, And that's kind of the question I want to deal with in the next couple of weeks, but I think about this. Why do you get up early in the morning on a Sunday, your day off, presumably... Brush your teeth. Come on, someone say amen. <laughs> you know, and put a little crease in your clothes, and get out the door, and all that, and and come to the house of God. Come to the church. Um, there's reasons for that, and I want to explore those reasons and, and basically teach about uh, for those that don't maybe even know uh, the purpose of that. You know, in the Old Testament, we would be called something different than the church. We'd be called the people of God. Um, we call God's chosen people. It says that in the Old Testament, uh, called the righteous, would be called the righteous. That's just to name a few. In the New Testament, the church is referred to as the body of Christ, the house of God, the saints, but primarily we are called the church. Let's all say it together. We are called the church. Let's look at Matthew 16, verse 13 through 19. This is our text. We're going to lift some things from this text today to help us. It says this, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And I'm going to bring a compelling point across that if we don't know who he is, we can't properly tell others who he is And that's why they'll come up with other things like, oh, he must be John the Baptist or one of the great prophets, right? It says this, um, he said to them, uh, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, Petra. Petra means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There are several points of revelation here found in Matthew 16 that I want to pull from this morning. Number one is this. Jesus asked the question to his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do other people say that I am? Church, do you know what the people in your life, maybe at work, your neighbors, even your family members, do you know what they actually think about Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? What do people think about your Jesus? What do, uh, what do they say about him? How do they relate to him? Do they... Uh, shun away from it when they hear his name are they interested and wanting to know a little bit more are they kind of confused do we really have a pulse on what other men quote unquote men and women are saying about jesus the question is do we really live for jesus in such a way that people know we actually serve the lord and I'm here to tell you, I'm, I'm not going to preach this today. I'm going to teach the best I can. Preach will probably come out because that's just who I am. But I just want to say this to you right now. That's why we can't walk around all sad, depressed. Come on, somebody. Always up in arms and, and always fighting and feuding with other people. People are looking at us. We call ourselves Christians. What makes us different from the rest of the world? What's distinguishingly different than us, than the people of the world? That's number one. And number two, are we embarrassed by him? Don't we want people to know that we actually serve the Lord, that we go to the house of God, call the church, that we actually pray, that we believe what the Bible says, that we believe in morality more than uh, modern uh, ways of uh, looking at Christianity, we actually believe in the traditional set of principles found in the Word of God? Or are we so negative that we get, I mean, it's hard for people to even know that we even serve the Lord? Or are we hypocritical? We actually serve on Sundays, but Monday through Friday we take a break. Time out, Lord. I'm going to do what I want. Uh, y'all don't want to talk to me on Sunday morning. Amen. I'm just trying to lay down the foundation so we understand. The world is looking for people to be bold and courageous and actually tell them what they believe in. People want to know. If we've ever lived in a time People want to know the truth. What is the truth? And they got a whole, I believe the revival is coming to America like we've never seen before. And no doubt it's coming to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Milwaukee County. And I want to be a part of that. How about you? But I can't be ashamed of him i got to be willing to converse and engage with people that may not love him, may not even want to talk about him, but in a loving way, I can tell people about Jesus and how important it is. I want to share with you something. I, this is um, uh, something that I found years ago. How many ever heard of Penn and Teller, the magicians? Penn, Penn's the big tall one, Teller's the, the short one who doesn't do the talking, and they're, they're really kind of comical and all that. Penn, Penn is a notorious skeptic. Penn is a notorious Uh, atheist is what he is and he makes no bones about that and something happened somebody walked into his life that was so powerful to him so engaging to him that he made a little video about it and put it out there on his page and for other people to view and see as well and i wanted you to take a look at what open said that was a good man that gave me that book. You see him try to reason at the end with his own mind going, I still don't believe in God and I still, I still have trouble believing that you know, that religion does good things. I think it does bad things. It's almost like he's reasoned with himself, but he can't get past the fact that this man had love in his eyes, cared enough about him, and what he said couldn't have been said by any preacher any better. How much do you gotta hate somebody if you know the truth and don't tell them the truth? Wow! Wow! From an atheist. I said to share that with you. At Faith Builders, we have a three-part mission that God has given our church. And the first part is to reach the unreached. That's the first thing that we're supposed to be doing. And we've endeavored to do that. If I've gotten criticized by anything, more than anything else in, in the city, it's been about reaching people for Christ. You'd think it would be over other things, and I can almost understand some of the other things. But reaching people for Jesus, it should be what every person, every church should be all about. Sometimes you hear stuff said like, well, I, I go to faith I really like it over there, but you know, it's not deep enough for me. I don't get fed enough. Well, you fat Christian, you, praise God. You are overfed, overweights. Come on, be honest. And you don't even know what the fat you got already, spiritually speaking, right? It's not about how fed, much fed you get. And you got to balance all of that out. But I've always wanted to pastor a church that's not just about me, what I need, but about others and the souls of mankind and winning people to Jesus Christ. That's what I want our church to be about. That's what the kingdom's all about. Amen, somebody. So we've done the production. We've done Serve Your City Day. Christmas in Milwaukee, After Dark, it's under the, the bridge ministry, all that stuff. We've done the production. We bring people into our church and, and tell them about who Jesus is. We want you to bring your mom next week so we can tell your mom about who Jesus is and so on and so on. The church was meant to be an example to the world of who Jesus actually is. That's why we've got to have our finger in the pulse. Do, what do men say about me? Do you know what they're actually saying? Do they even know who I am? So God gave us ways to do that. We can invite them to His church. Invite them to the house of God. We actually have cards. I don't know if you know this or not. And at the the information kiosk, you can go. And request them, they're free, and we'll give them to you. Little business cards, they look really nice, and they're just invite cards. Just the invite. You know, you don't mind not to say nothing, just drop it off at the, at the waiter's table, at, the wait, at your uh, for your waiter or your waitress's table. Uh, you can go to the job, drop them off at people's desks. Uh, wherever you go, you can actually invite people to come to the house of God. It's got the address on there and everything. Uh, another way you can do it is by having people over to your house. You know, you can have your neighbors or family members in and, and, and have them a beautiful spread, uh, a nice dinner, and then tell them your testimony. How hard is it for you just to share about what Jesus has done for you? You don't have to memorize any scripture or nothing. Just simply say, hey, here's what the Lord did for me, and talk to them like they're already saved. And when you talk to people like they're already interested, you have a great flow, and now you can tell them about Jesus, what he did for me. He can do the same thing for you. By the way, another great way that's been totally misused, but God created it. You can use social media to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of your downline, all the people that you have as friends, and you can share. Instead of sharing every funny thing that goes out. and I like funny stories, and little funny videos, and monkeys walking around and and doing stuff that's human. That's cute. That's all great. But I mean, I'm tired of seeing stuff go viral, and Christians helping it to go viral. That's so stupid, and yet we don't post one thing about Christ. Come on, (laughs) y'all. I said, first, there's a guy... Some guy in Milwaukee. And they show him this video. So you got to be kidding me. And it's a guy. He's got to be six foot four. This is last month. It was still cold outside. Six foot four man in high heels. And he's in a a, a Star Spangled Banner, Banner bikini. Walking across the street into the Dollar General store which I'm never going to that Dollar General ever again, praise God. And and, and it goes in to start shopping. The guy goes, look at this guy walking. And it hits 10 million views in, in three or four hours. And we think it's funny. But yet that can go viral. But Jesus stays on the back burner. Come on, we're the believers. We're the Christians. We should get Jesus out to the public. Come on. And you need to be checking my page. Come on, somebody. I'm your pastor. I know you love Joe Olstein, but he ain't your pastor. I'm your pastor. Why? Why ain't you sharing my stuff? But let me just say something. I'm, we're not here to build Lakewood Church. We're here to build Faith Builders Church. And the reason why we do that is because we have an assignment by God in Milwaukee, and they're not going to fly out there every Sunday. We've got a place right here for them to come. So share your pastor's stuff on your downline. Let them know that this is a church. I'm proud of these people, and I'm proud of this church, and I want you to belong to where I belong. Come on, <laughs> invite them. The church was created to engage society. That's what we're created to do in the streets house to house with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus, remember, remember when, when, when Jesus ascended to heaven, And he told them, he said, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. It's not us four and no more, y'all. It's not the four walls of this church and that's the end of it all. It's not about you and me just making heaven and we're going to make heaven. Thank you, Jesus. But what about the masses of people today that are not in church today, don't care about God, don't want Jesus? What's going on in their lives? Am I right about this? He said, go into all the world. And then in the New Testament, he sent these 120 disciples into an upper room, Jesus did. He said, you wait here until the Holy Spirit comes. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes and you'll be endued with power and you will be witnesses. Of me to all of the surrounding area. So they go and they pray in the upper room. What happens? The spirit of God comes in that place like a rushing mighty wind. And the first thing that happens after they spoke in tongues, they stepped outside on the balcony, and they stepped outside. And what was going on? Passover was happening. So all of the people, all of the people from all over the place, were coming into Jerusalem from different nations and different tongues. And Peter stuck. He stood out and he said, "He said, I have something to say to you." And he preaches the gospel of jesus christ and the men cried out said what must we do to be saved he said repent of your sin be baptized give your life to jesus christ and the were the bible said three thousand souls were added to the church in one day where In the highways, the byways, the streets. Come on, house to house. Everywhere they can preach Jesus Christ. Do we know what they're saying about Jesus? I'm going to make this statement to you. The church is the consciousness of God in society. If the church becomes more irrelevant, the world becomes most irreverent. It has to have us in the world. We are the most important force on planet earth because we are the body of Christ and the conscience of God in the earth. Number two. Number two. Jesus asked the disciples another question. He said, who do you say that I am? He asked, who do they say about me? He said, what do they say about me? Now he said, who do you say that I am? He's asking them, what do you really know about me? Do you know me? Have you been taught about me? Isaiah 65, eight says this. Thus says the Lord, as a new wine is found in the cluster and one says, do not destroy it for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servants' sake, that I may not destroy them all. First thing here, the new wine is found where? Where Where's it found? In the cluster. Just keep the scripture up for a while, guys. In in the cluster, the new wine is found where? In the cluster, not in the grape, not the individual grape. But the wine is found in the cluster of grapes. When the grapes are all together, come on, intersecting and all receiving of the vine. When we come together, the cluster, we receive new ideas, new thoughts, fresh insights of who Jesus is. That's the new wine. He's the vine, we are the branches. The vine branches produce the clusters that makes the wine so our city can sip on the newness of Christ, sip on the Holy Spirit, sip on the word of God. This is a picture of the church. Look what else it says here. Do not destroy the cluster. He said, for in it is a blessing. For a blessing is in it. There's seemingly a special blessing for those who come together for the cause of Christ. When we're all together, Isaiah continues to say, for a blessing is in the cluster. I will do it for my servant's sake. He didn't say singular servant. He said, for a servant's sake, there's something special that happens when we are all together. Life is too hard and too short to do it on our own. And we can't know your trouble, nor can we know your problems if you're doing life on your own. But when we're all together, come on. If the body stubs the toe, what happens? The whole body feels the pain. How can we feel the pain and know what you're going through if you're disconnected from the body? God never meant for you to be one grape rolling off the vine somewhere. He wants us all to stick together until it comes to full maturity and can be pressed out into new wine. Look what it says in Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So my job, being a pastor... One of those fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Teach you about Jesus for the edifying the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body and the edifying of itself in love. In other words, church, what it's saying there is that we're created to come together. Together, every joint supplies. All it matters. Everything matters. It's it's hard to do life without my left hand. I could probably get along, but they call it a handicap because I'm not as I'm not as efficient with one as I am with two. Same thing with my feet and so on. We need each other to come together. That causes causes growth in the body of Christ. It causes our maturity. It causes souls to come into the kingdom of God and it makes us effective, the Bible says, as a result of that. And by the way, I will tell you this. We have a class that's happening right after this service. I know you might get hungry, but I would stick around if you haven't yet. Join the class. It's about 20 minutes or so. And it's the first one of four, a series of four. And not only is it a part of our membership class, it's called Growth Track, but you learn about Jesus. Who do you say that I am, Jesus said. You want to be able to answer that. Who do we say who Jesus is? Get involved in that class. It'll bless your life. Number three, remember after Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am, Peter stood up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I say this to you, upon this rock, I will build my church. This was a revelation. No man taught Peter this. Peter received it from God. Peter got the revelation of what the church was supposed to be and that Jesus was going to build his church on the rock of that revelation that he is the Christ, that he is the son of the living God. And it would be built upon that firm foundation. What does church mean? What is the, the Greek word is the word ecclesia. So what does ecclesia mean? It means the called out ones. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called you out of sin into righteousness. He called you out of Egypt to take you in to the promised land. He's called us out. That's what the church is. Called out. This is what it means. Called out ones. Called out to come together. So he doesn't just call us out individually. We go do our own thing. We come together as a body. And he said, my church, the called out ones, are to come together and I will build that ecclesia. I will build those called out ones. And he said, because they're what? He said, I will build my church. Whose church is it? Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me this morning. I said, whose church is it? It's Jesus's church. I said it's Jesus' church. Are you? Are you a part of Jesus' church? Because we got a lot of Christians who don't make church a priority. Called out to come together. We're called out to come together. I said we're called out to come together. That's making his church a priority. And if it's his church, my goodness, and he's the one that came to set me free, I ought to be thanking him every day, making sure I'm at the church. Come on, somebody. Being the church. And he can't build what you're not a part of. It's hard to build something if you don't have all the pieces there. How many of you ever tried to put something together and you ended up with not, not, not enough pieces to put it together? And you swear you did everything right. Come on, talk to me, somebody. My son, I put together a little basketball hoop for him, and all of a sudden I missed some pieces. And I was too like, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to, no, no, I'm not going to unwrench all this stuff, put it back in the box and take it back over to the store and tell them they got it wrong. I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. I said, it is what it is, right? And it was an adjustable hoop, and my son was this tall, praise God. The problem is the adjustment part wasn't there, praise God, so he got a 10-foot hoop. Hallelujah. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, son, it's going to be a while before you can dunk. Bless his heart, son. It's still going to be a while before you dug on I'm sorry, man. That's on me. That's on me. <laughs> but, but it's hard to build something right if you don't have all the right pieces there. How can we build what God wants us to build here in Milwaukee if all the right pieces don't show up for it to happen? How can we do that? We need one another. The second part of the mission of Faith Builder, Faith builds it, is to build the church. Number one, we reach the unreached. But two, we build the church. We are co-laboring with Jesus to build his house, to build his culture, to build his agenda, and to build his kingdom on planet Earth. And by the way, the church is alive and well. All hail King Jesus. Somebody say amen. We're building it. And we're building this right. He said, he said upon that rock, I'm going to build my church. So what is the rock? The rock is the revelation of who he is. Do you know, what do you say, what do they say about me, and what do you say about me? Do you know who I am? So church is a place where we learn about who he is, and we grow in that revelation week to week to week to week until we get so strong, come on, and then we invite others to learn about who he is. What are we doing? We're building our lives on the rock. Remember he said one built a house on the rock, the other built his house on the sand. And both got hit with a storm where the the, the winds blew and the the rains beat upon the house and the floods began to rise up against the house. He said, but the one that was founded on the rock, it stood the storm. It stood, but the other was on shifting sand and it fell apart in just a matter of moments. In other words, they can look great on the outside, but whatever it's founded on is what's going to determine if it's going to be successful and lasting or if it's going to fail and break down. In other words, I've met people that love God, started off right, but they didn't get involved in the house of God. They weren't involved in church. They thought I'll get my stuff online. I'll watch Joel and, and Joyce. and, I'll get, and that's, They're great. That's, that, keep doing that. But that's not the church. This is us coming together. Called out to come together. Called out to come together. And now that we support each other, come on, somebody. We become the support system. The vine is connected to the pieces. So we become a support system here. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that when we build our life upon that, no matter what comes, we're solid and we're strong. But when people don't do that, and I've seen this happen so many times, they love God, but next thing you know, they're back in the world within months. Why? They built their house on shifting sand. Number four, the last part I want to cover with you Concerning what Jesus said in Matthew 16 is, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means you win every single time when you're involved in his church, you can't lose. Church. We are called to fight like hell. Like hell is real. Like hell is coming to destroy us. Like hell's out for our children. You gotta fight like it's real. be lax today. He's going, lazy? Come on, we got enough of that out there. We got to get involved. We got to be involved. My great-grandmother, I've told this story before, but it's a true story. And my great-grandmother, she was a Pentecostal woman, the first that we know of in our family that was saved, that we know of. And she got not only saved, but she got filled with the Holy Ghost. So she was one of those women from the other side of the tracks. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about no makeup, long uh, skirts. I mean, The, the, the ankles were too sexy. You had to cover them up. Praise God. All the way down to the floor, hair uh, up in the pins, you know, the pins. And they get to shake and quake and the pins fly. Ah! You got to put a little circle together, come on, so they don't knock over the pulpit. How do know what I'm talking about? That's before we had catchers, praise the Lord. Some of you don't even know what catchers are anymore. Catchers is to make sure that you put the person behind, right, when you pray for somebody and they fall out in the spirit. And he had a catcher behind him, but the catcher, he put his hand on his shoulder, let him know. If you knew the catcher was there, praise God, Woo! the spirit of God would nail you. I've seen people like this. They were like, oh, I'm going to go out. And they look, no, nah, not right now. There ain't nobody to catch me. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Then I've seen people get hit by the power of God. Nobody there. And fly back two or three rows, knocking chairs over. Ha, ha, ha praying in the Holy Ghost, and when they got off the floor, they weren't the same person that went down under the power. Come on, that's the power of God. And she was from that world. The Pentecostal, crazy people world. But them people, they didn't have a lot of knowledge of the Word of God. But they knew how to worship God. And they knew how to do something called laying hold of the horns of the altar. they grab a hold of the altar, in other words, God, and they wouldn't let go and they knew how to pray the fire down. And my, my grandmother was given the uh, visions at times. And she'd go into a trance every now and again. And uh, one time she was at a, uh, they were at a prayer meeting on a Sunday night and they, she fell into a trance and God gave her a vision. They actually left her at the altar. They locked her in. They, she wouldn't get up. They said, Mother Pruitt, get up. Mother Pruitt, get up. She wouldn't get up. And they said, well, we'll just leave her here. Could you imagine? I mean, we call 911, praise God. I don't know what to do. This person won't come out. They need something. And, but they left her there. And, uh, and she prayed all night. Next day, the pastor came in there, and she's sitting up and still praying. And, and the pastor said, what happened? And she began to tell her the vision that the Lord had given her. And she said, the Lord took me. And he took me to the gates of hell itself. And the devil came there and said that he was going to take me and my children and my children's children. And, and, she, and, the, and the Lord said, do not be afraid. So The Lord was standing there the whole time. said, do not be afraid. And gave me a flaming sword. He said, this is the sword of my spirit. Now fight, fight. Fight him, fight him. And so she said, All night long I fought the devil. All night long I pushed him back. I said, You will not have my children. You will not have my grandbabies. You will not have my family. And she said, Until the devil left, and the devil left, I knew I had the victory. I'm gonna tell you something. All of her children, though it was late in life for most of them, all of them got born again, including my grandfather, who was the meanest guy you'd ever met in your life. He got born again. His, his son, which happened to be my father, got born again. Most of my dad's siblings are saved. I got born again. My children are born again, praise God. I mean, the, the domino effect continues on to this day, all because, come on, and my grandbaby, come on, my grandbaby, is going to know Jesus. Because my grandmother put up a fight. Come on, y'all. Told the devil to go to, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, man. Amen. He said, this is what he said. He said, uh, He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Against what? against the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. But if you try to stand off by yourself and do your own thing, the enemy will wreak havoc in your life. That's why we got to pray. We got to pray like we've never prayed before. That's why I want to see you tonight. I know you get tired. I don't even want to be here half the time on a Sunday night. I'm tired. I do it out of discipline. I know it's the right thing to do. I give an hour of my life so we can come here and we can pray the house down and go to bed tonight knowing that we did what God wanted us to do. My flesh may not have wanted but I did what God wanted me to do. I'm fighting. So you show up at 555 and we're going to have a great time. It's amazing how fast the time goes and you're gone. I know it's a nice day, but I'm just saying we must continue to fight because one can put a thousand to fight. That's good, but two can put 10,000 to fight. I hear what I'm saying. Uh, Anita, come here quick, Anita, all your siblings, are they all here? Come over here. It's dark, you're dark, I can't tell. Come over here. Come over here. Come on. What do you mean, Oh, that's way God made them all. It's not a bad thing. All right, uh, elders, come. Elders that are here. Pastor Ruben, please come. Been an attack against this house. They've been with me in this church forever. And there's been an attack, and her mom's back in, uh, in I was going to say prison, <laughs> back in hospital. She's got blood clots in her lung. That's a serious condition. And also some things going on in their physical bodies. I just feel led to do this right now. We're the church or we're going to pray? We're going to pray. That's all right now. Stretch forth your hands right now to this beautiful family. Father, in the name of Jesus... Every device of the enemy that's come against them, every satanic stronghold, we break the power of it now in the name of Jesus Christ. We plead the blood of the Lamb over their lives. We fight hell itself against this family, Lord God. This spirit of infirmity that's come against this home in the name of Jesus Christ. Not only an infirmity, Lord God, but a spirit of depression that's tried to come, Father God, to wreak havoc upon them as if this is the end of the road. It is not the end of the road, Father God. It's only a bump in the road, Father God, and a part of their testimony Father God and we declare your goodness right now Father God in their bodies Lord God from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet we declare Lord God that by your stripes they were healed healed in Jesus name Juanita you are healed in that hospital now blood clots dissolved now in Jesus name touch Anita's body now now Lord God her stomach, Father God, the bulging disc in her back, in the name of Jesus, heal her now. We give you praise, we give you glory for it, Lord God, and they will give you all the praise. They will give you all the glory. In Jesus' precious name, the church said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. The Bible says, Matthew 18, 19, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, didn't say if one of you, said if you just find two people, more than one, come on, the cluster, the church, whatever they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This God is an able God. This God is a doing God. This guy is a miracle-working God. He's a deliverer, a redeemer. This God can set you free, take you over, get you in, break you through, break you out. Come on! Woo. The church is called to raise up a standard. In a world of darkness, in a world of depleting moralities all around us, the word the word of God tells us that we are called to raise up a standard. Isaiah 59:19 says, "When the enemy comes in like a flood, Hallelujah! When the enemy overwhelms your life, the Lord will raise up a standard against him." The very fact that the devil's been messing with you, the very fact the devil has come to overwhelm you is proof positive to let you know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He will raise up a standard. And how does he do it? He does it through you. He does it through me. He does it through his church. What are you talking about, Pastor? I thought God did it. He said he did. Yeah, where does he live on earth? He lives in you. He lives in me. He said, you go lay hands upon the sick. You cast out devils. Come on, you confess. You put your confession out there and see the glory come. You are supposed, you pray. And we come in agreement with him. And when we come in agreement with him, he moves heaven and earth on our behalf. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises itself against you, you shall condemn. That is God's promise to his people. And that's how we fulfill the third part of our mission at Faith Builders. We serve our city. See, we reach the unreached, we build the church, and we serve the city. Not only by feeding and clothing and helping but by fighting for people's souls, by standing literally in the gap and saying it's not just about my well-being, it's about everybody else too. Because one day we'll stand before God and he'll want to know, did you partake? Were you a part of my mission on earth? Were Were you doing your own thing? I mean, you come on in and enjoy. But you know the rewards, the Bible says, based on our obedience to do what God asks us to do. It's not a time to do less it's a time to do more and you can you just got to arrange your time a little bit differently but you can do it i promise you, you can do it but this is the this is the purpose of the church why church because he said it's my church why church because he said it's my church and whatever he's involved in we sure enough better get involved in it amen somebody